Sorry, g'day everyone and welcome to another edition of Tuesday Night Live brought to you by Crowcast of course. A big night ahead of us, lots to talk about, our deep dive of course with Matty Roberts uh, being the point of discussion this week. So without any further ado, why don't we just get straight into it. Good evening, everyone. Thanks to everyone who's joined us on Crowcast uh, tonight. Another big Tuesday Night Live uh, coming at you. Thanks to everyone who's joined us in the chat on Discord. And g'day to my partner in crime on Tuesday nights, Peter. How are you going, Peter? I'm well, Fiend. Very well indeed. I was a little bit concerned there when you said the weekend wrap. I was about ready to lock off. Uh, I thought I was going to start punching it out with Macca and Nikki, you know, and, you, and you know that's not my bags. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm about to. Uh, I'm a very much a TNL kind of guy, so uh, yeah. I was about ready to log off. But anyway, all good, mate. And yourself, good? Uh, yeah, not too bad at all. Thanks, mate. It's uh, good to be a Crows fan at the moment, isn't it? This week was good, and uh, certainly some very good work by you on YouTube. The video that uh, that you put out there that was fantastic. It's incredible to see the. Um, uh, the room at the moment seeing a whole lot of new people there. So fantastic to, to see all the new people there as well oh, as the brilliant. old regulars. But that, that was a lovely little bit of work on the YouTube video, mate. That about <laughs> Last time I checked, it was over 4,000 views. Yeah, no, it took off a little bit. It was a spur of the moment thing because I was so pissed off with all the tears and stuff, you guys. <laughs> Let's fight back a little bit. So, uh, But, look, it's brought a few people uh, or brought our show in front of a few more people, which is fantastic. That's what we want. Um, if you are watching on YouTube or Twitch or listening on Spreaker uh, or on iTunes On Demand, um, make sure you get around us on Discord. Uh, the links and invites to Discord are on uh, the descriptions of the various platforms. And it's usually a pretty lively discussion, Peter, not only um, during our shows, but also, of course, on game day. The game day chat is really going off these days. And I know you've recently discovered it, and uh, it's a good good companion to watching the footy. Yeah, it really is. So I, I jumped into it on the weekend because it was, uh, I mean, I was at the footy and I was actually in the pocket. Uh, I was in right in right where that uh, the the Murray infamous handball went to. So I was, was right handballing there, to you, I, was he? It was just, I was calling for it, but uh, admittedly, I was about I think I was about four points and four points and a bourbon to the good, and uh, <laughs> I was, uh, it was a very very exciting exciting time. But yeah, it, it certainly encouraged the chat. It was good to see everybody. You know, and what I you know what I like. Fame is very very positive. It's all good positive stuff. There's uh, there's no care. It is. It's no. There's no. Uh, there's no. Uh, no melting going on, uh, unlike some other platforms <laughs> that we won't mention. Uh, but it, it is a good time on a, on a uh, game day to get around the chat. Now, look, we've got two, four, six, eight people in the audience, and uh, uh, Tuesday night's all about interaction. So if you've got something to say about the weekend or if you've got something to say about uh, anything that we talk about tonight or if you've just got something to say in general, uh, stick your hand up. And uh, we'd love to have you on to uh, have a chat with us while we're doing our podcast. Now, Peter, just speaking quickly about the uh, weekend, I always like to get your thoughts on it. We prattle on about it for seven or eight hours on a, on a Sunday night. But uh, what what do you think about the weekend? Oh, look, it was, you know, it was just one of those games that you're, you, you know, you, you pay your membership and if you get one game like that a year, you're, you're happy really, aren't you? Yeah, um, yeah. Re- regardless of, of how you, your team's going. I mean, it was just such an entertain. What, what I really thought about it is just as a supporter, it was just an, you know, an entertaining game of football. It was pretty yeah. high scoring, both scored fairly freely and I thought both teams played a good brand of football and, um, you know, it was just one of those, um, there was never more than two or three goals in it all the way, and it was just thoroughly you know, entertaining. I thought it was really quite a high standard too. Um, you know, it's I, very I, high standard, actually. Heard, uh, I, was just, I was in the chat for a little bit on um, on Sunday, and I heard Nicky saying it was a bit of an, you know, an ugly win. I, I really didn't think it was. I, I thought there was some really quite nice football played. I thought that we, yeah. um, 
Agreed. Well, we, we did them on the outside, really. If you look at the stats and what Matty Nick said in his presser, it was it was a case of saying, look, well, you know, we accept that you know, Oliver and Petrarca are going to get a whole stack of clearances. Yeah. Um, so we're going to sit back and, and, and try and use the ball, get hold of the ball and use it, almost a little bit of the old Hawthorne, and, um, yeah. and, and try them that way. And, and we, we certainly belted them in uncontested ball, as you'd know. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, th- I just I just thought it was a really entertaining game to watch. And um, now whether that was the four points and the bourbon, I don't know. But it was good. It was good fun. <laughs> good fun night of the footy. No, you know what? I agree with you. I was dead cold sober, so I can confirm that, uh, that uh, even without the bourbon, it was good to watch. And uh, I agree, our, our transition work uh, changed substantially. And uh, the thing, I guess, on, re- on reflection, um, uh, thinking about it today, actually, it surprises me, and, and maybe it was a little bit arrogant by Goodwin and his um, coaching panel that they just allowed it to be a, a end-to-end shootout, really. At no stage did they try to shut us down or to try and push up and really clog up the middle of the ground where a lot of the ball was uh, being contested. They were quite content to uh, let the ball ping from one end to the other and rely, I guess, on their perceived uh, midfield strength and, uh, you know, their tools, etc., to do the job. And I just felt like Simon Goodwin sat back and let it all unfold, whereas our coaching panel, I think, were more uh, proactive, um, certainly yeah. in the planning stage and uh, on on game day itself. Certainly had a smell of it will work out in the end. Mm. I think that was that was that was what it seemed like to me because I was the same as you. I was waiting for um, some kind of structural, but I think that because they were, you know, I mean, they got to within three goals in, you know, three goals in. Yeah. You must have thought at that point, three goals in front with a home. few minutes to play, seven minutes to play, that they were home. Yeah, I, I did mention some at some stage during the first half in the game day chat that I felt like Melbourne were playing like millionaires. Um, you know, and I think they they uh, warmed to the cause in the second half, particularly Petrarca and uh, Oliver were outstanding. Um, but, you know, at, Melbourne's are a team, I think, that, uh, again, they fall away in their bottom half a dozen on in their uh, in their team and uh, they needed a couple of those players to stand up and, and they didn't and it was left to too few for Melbourne. And uh, whereas when you look at uh, Adelaide's um, stats and just the, the sniff test, um, it was a very even team performance. Yeah, it was. Yep. Um, so a few things to talk about tonight. First of all, um, we can talk about injuries and there's really no change. In fact, our injuries um, as they stand at the moment, uh, they're all long-term. They're all long-termers, and I was looking at it today, actually, and, and you're right, they're all long-term, and I'm not sure that selection's got a lot to talk about tonight. I mean, there'll, there'll be things to talk about, but, I, you know, it's, uh, there's, no, there's nobody sort of, apart yeah. from Will Hamill, had a great game in the Sandfall. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, we might spend a moment on the Sandfall, actually, in a moment, because there were a couple of good performances. Yeah. But, you know, we've got Talia um, set back by a week because he was crook, so he hasn't uh, had the training load that it, they would have liked this week. So he's still listed as three to four. Lockie Glant, still three to four. Lockie Murphy, you would think, would struggle to get back in. Seven to eight listed. Tommy Lynch, similar, seven to eight. Uh, Matty Crouch, even less of a chance, I think, uh, of playing again this season um, after that groin surgery. Um, so that's listed as eight to ten, but I think that's a bit optimistic. They might put him on ice and... Um, uh, we've got Mitch Hinge and, and Wayne Miller, of course, season-ending injuries. Uh, just touching on Matty Crouch, uh, Pete, what's your feel? He, he's coming up for um, um, free agent, well, he's free agent this year and, um, you know, contract talks on hold and all that sort of stuff. What's your, and now he's missing out for the rest of the season. What's your feel? Oh, Pete might have gone missing. Well, Pete's uh, sorting himself out there because, uh, Peter, if you can hear me, I can't hear you. Oh, he's gone. Um, I wonder what people in the chat feel. My personal view is that um, the club want to keep Matt Crouch. I think they see him as integral uh, to our future. Uh, Pete's back. Um, yeah, sorry, mate. I, just, I don't know what happened. No, you're right. You're right. I, I, did you hear my question? I was just asking you what your feel was with regards to Matty Crouch, Pete, um, given the contract status at the moment. Yeah, it's an odd one, isn't it? And um, look, I think that 
obviously he's got that injury and the extent to which where you wanted to, him to get on the on, back onto the park or even that he wants to get back on the park mm. it's really really hard to know and it's just hard it really really is hard to place where that relationship is and what his intent is for next year there's obviously been no talk that we've certainly heard of about the contract negotiations and where that all stands but it's hard it's hard not to believe that the whole thing in some way is interrelated do you agree uh, yeah I, I do agree um I, look i i don't know i i i my gut feel is that they'd like to keep him but they will keep him at a price that they are comfortable with um i You'd struggle to you'd struggle to know what Matty Crouch would be worth in the open market at the moment. I don't think he'd fetch as much as Brad. So again, we'd probably be looking at um, you know band three or whatever. You know, if you're looking at band three, is it worthwhile going there, or do you just you know do you just match? Or it's interesting because oh, um... go on. I was going to say, look, I'm on record, Fiend. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I'm on record as I'd rather retain him. I don't really yeah. want to lose him because I just think that we've got too much of a gap, particularly of midfielders, yeah. in that yeah. sort of, you know, 100 or so games. And we, you know, I just yes. I think you can't afford to lose a 2013 top 20 draft pick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Um, interesting to see where he slots back in, given uh, our midfield structure at the moment with a couple of inside players. And, what we're lacking, as we've spoken about previously, is the outside silks, which Matty really isn't. So, um, you know, he gets a lot of it. Um, and when he's in good form, he distributes well. But when he's struggling physically um, or form-wise, he can turn into a bit of a liability fairly quickly because of his lack of pace and uh, probably not as strong as his brother inside the contest. So uh, it's going to be interesting to watch that one play out. Um, the other thing, of course, is tribunal. Now... Um, we'll have a look at the at the broader VFL tribunal in a minute, but uh, could you believe that I I can kind of understand that Tex got uh, a two grand fine, but Darcy Fogarty getting fined two thousand dollars for giving Jake Lever a tap on the shoulder that was a bit rich, extraordinary. It was just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. You know, and you're caught between a rock and a hard place because obviously you're not going to, uh, you, you're not going to contest that. Um, you, you're just going to cop it on the chin. But gee whiz, two thousand dollars. I've, I've seen, no, no, there was worse, worse stuff in the crowd that uh, got let go by the stewards. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, didn't, now, mind, uh, didn't mind Texas, but I didn't like that. I didn't like Darcy's at all. Yeah. Look, to be honest with you, I think Tex actually did really well because he could have absolutely poleaxed Oliver. He had him on toast. Yep. And he did put him down into the dirt, but it certainly it didn't seem to me to be a double action and it certainly wasn't a sling. It was just a, a hard tackle that ended up with Oliver being a little bit worse for wear for about 30 seconds and then... It kind of lit a fire under him, and he went ballistic after that. So uh, I said on Sunday night we should uh, maybe find Tex a bit more for uh, knocking some sense into uh, into Oliver because he I think he'd only had eight possessions up until that clash, and then he went ballistic. Um, but no, I think that was a, he did well, and it was a reasonable decision. Yeah, I think so. Um, the interesting ones um, were in other matches. The, the Lockie Plowman two-match ban for rough conduct, uh, conduct on Jaeger O'Meara, they upheld that. Uh, so yep. he serves his two-match ban. Uh, Marlon Pickett's uh, ban for striking uh, stands as well. Um, the the one now who which was the one that was the tackle for, the rundown tackle from behind. Because that's the one that I couldn't Gold understand. Coast. Uh, yeah. Holman, Holman, Holman. Gold Coast. Yep. Yeah. So let's just see. I've just got the live blog up on AFL. Um, so the AFL are arguing that there was a second movement in Holman's tackle that makes it dangerous. After pinning the midfielder and preventing an effective kick, Gleeson then suggests it's, an, it's open to you to conclude that it's the rest of the tackle that is the problem. Now... 
we've all played footy. Most of us uh, that are listening have played footy. If you run someone down from behind and try to tackle them, you're pretty much out of control at the at that point because you're so off balance. I don't I don't see how Holman could have purposely. Um, you know, initiated a second movement to drive him into the ground. I just thought it was a tackle. Well, I guess you can get into all of the specifics of of uh, of the intent and it being. I think it was graded as careless and uh, rather than intentional. And once you get into that that careless and you know, the, really at the end of the day, this is a. I, I think we can sum it up by saying it's a it's a result driven system that yeah. we've got now, and that is that. You know, if somebody, it's almost regardless of the action, yeah. that if somebody ends up with a concussion, you are in the gum, yeah. and with the, and effectively the careless that the the bar for carelessness is so low now. Effectively, mm. if you initiate any kind of contact, whether that be a tackle, whether it be a bump, and as a result of that contact, there is a concussion, which leads to a player. Having to take no, generally taking no further part in the game, you are done. You are you are toast. And yeah. there's very I, very very little wriggle room anymore. Very very hard to see any kind of uh, situation whereby you initiate any kind of contact, tackle yeah. or bump, and um and you know and but we see you know a punch to the face because it's Let just go. a punch to the face. That's a that, yeah. that or a fight, and that's yeah. actually a really you know that's a violent act. Yeah, and anyway, that's where we are. Yeah, yeah we're at a Look, we're, we're we're at a. At that I can stage. cop. I can cop the duty of care with a bump. Um, that's taken a bit of getting used to. Um, particularly the accidental head clashes. That's still murky, if you ask me. Um, but I, I can deal with that. But a situation like Holman's uh, and his defence is basically, you know, uh, there was. Uh, um uh no spinning uh, there was no second movement there was you know um no slinging no excessive force no pushing to the ground i mean it was a ta- it was a tackle and if they're going to start to officiate the tackle out of the game then we're 10 years away from touch football aren't we well, I'm not. I'm not going to argue that with you. It is. A, it, we're, we're going down a very, very slippery road. There's no question about that. Yeah. But that's, yeah. That, and that's I, what, I, but that's where we are. And we. I mean, we, we yeah. had discussions, what, twelve months, two years ago, Fane, about the whole issue of concussion. Yeah. And the claims that are coming, and the claims that we know are coming. Yeah. And really, this is about risk mitigation now for the AFL. Yeah. Um, interesting. I mean, I'm not. I'm not I know they're publicly available, but I haven't read through a, the CBA and player contracts and all the rest of it. But you would imagine it's surely, um, and you'd know better than me, Peter, but surely if you participate in an activity, there's a certain amount of acceptance of risk as well, um, particularly um, circumstances that that uh, evolve from accidental um, incidents. And I understand the desire to um, to protect players and to promote the game as a game that's safe to play. Um, I get all of that. But at some point, you'd think, well, you know, the sport is dead in, in 10 years' time. I mean, blokes even get hit in the head with bloody golf balls and die, you know, it's, um, without well, so being the, callous the, I mean, about the old, it. Shit happens. The old voluntary assumption of risk, which... Really, that that that's a that's an area of the law that applies. Sorry, uh, I'm probably going to bore the listeners now. But no, 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 that's fine. That's really, it really more it's really more applicable in the lower in the lower grades because particularly you know when you're playing amateur football because you know what what do you voluntary what's your voluntary assumption of risk? You know, standing there and getting king hit, you know, you're not yeah. expecting that really on a football yeah. field, and you shouldn't and yeah. you shouldn't be able to charge that person with assault. The problem that you've got is the AFL has become. To professional league that we're now actually mm. we're entering into the, the into the to the sphere of, of workplace Safe relations. workplace yeah and, yeah we're, and we're talking about work practices and employment law and, and so it's a completely different area of the law yeah and so then you know the under under legislation under commonwealth legislation then the afl has got an obligation to provide a safe workplace and that's where we're at and the, and yeah. the litigation that will flow against the afl will be workplace related litigation 
Yeah. And, uh, I mean, without steering too much off the track and boring people to death, it makes you wonder whether there needs to be another category for sports entertainment within that workplace legislation because me going to an office and sitting down and, and banging away on a computer, the only risk that I've got is falling asleep. Whereas, you know, um, blokes that are playing football or women that are playing football or people that are playing uh, any sport, really, uh, even though they're doing it professionally and they're doing it for money, uh, ultimately they're pursuing um, an interest at a professional level and, you know, taking up the game and pursuing it uh, to the extent of trying to get drafted, um, you would have thought that there was a, a certain amount of acceptance of risk associated with those actions. So, but I'm no lawyer and we're probably boring people to death. Uh, people, don't forget, if you are in the audience, um, don't be shy. Uh, Tuesday night's all about interaction. So if you have got something to say on that topic or any other topic uh, on the tribunal um, or anything else related to football, stick your hand up and we'll get you on. And uh, we always like to have uh, people on having a chat. Now, Peter, um, the other thing that I want to talk about just quickly, was even even though uh, we've done it to death, I just want to have a brief chat to you about that deliberate out of bounds because, you know, uh, discussions along the way have, you know, highlighted the fact that the rule is actually no longer deliberate out of bounds. The rule now is insufficient care or insufficient mm-hmm. intent to keep the ball in. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. Tom Brown... And I was going to do a parody of Tom Brown with just the top of his head on the, on camera um, because he's a little snotty, short, short ass. But he's came out on Twitter and said it doesn't matter that the ball deflected off Spargo's hand. It's all about the intent. Now, I went and read that rule and whilst I don't think he's right, I also don't think he's necessarily wrong either. Because um, Murray was the last person to dis- to dispose of the ball. Uh, the deflection was incidental. So you could argue that the rule should be adjudicated based on the last disposal action, which was Murray's. Um, it doesn't really specify, you know, last person to touch it. Um, so is that a grey area that um, that should have been foreseen and has now led to all this acrimony? I think it's definitely a grey area because when that all started coming out, I didn't I didn't know what the actual rule was, and so mm. and how much that would impact the AFL's decision. I mean, look, you know, I have a very very strong opinion that what the AFL doing we're talking about creating unsafe workplaces. I have a really really strong opinion on the AFL going down this path of releasing um, decisions about yep. umpires decisions during the game and hanging them out to dry publicly. Yep. I think that if, 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 a, if a club wants to query it and, and the AFL want to answer that query confidentially, then that's all very good. And if they want to do that behind closed doors to coach the umpire, then that's all well and good. But to hang these guys, and it's not just this one, Fiend, it is, you know, there was the holding the ball for Brisbane and Geelong. And I reckon there was another one as well. I can't quite remember, but, you know, who is this actually serving? What good is yeah. this doing the game? Is, yeah. you know, is it making anybody fit? The, the only thing this serves to do is to hang the umpire out to dry. And if they're talking about trying to attract umpires to the game, you know, how does this? I mean, why would you get into umpiring when the, when your employer will hang you out publicly for yeah. for, for what reason? Oh, I think it's outrageous. But anyway, and and also, yeah. you, I mean, you could go back. I mean, if they're going to do that, then why aren't they? Why don't they just go through and say, "Well, look, these are all the decisions he got correct." He could have he could have made you know ninety nine decisions that were absolutely spot on yep. on Saturday night, and he's going to get hung out publicly because of one. I think well, it's again, disgraceful. Yeah, I mean, again, you 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 make the um, the observation that it's a workplace. Now, if I go and have a performance review with my employer. My employer is not going to focus on one thing that I did wrong. My employer is going to, um, you know, if they're conducting a review properly, they're going to look at my performance as a whole. And whilst they might, there might be opportunities for learning and training and all the rest of it, there's also going to be opportunities for 
for you know providing praise and rewarding effort etc cetera, etc cetera, performance so as an employer you would 100% you would think that the AFL have failed um the umpiring fraternity in the in the way that they ha- handle these things i agree um you know coincidentally they just appointed a new umpires director during the or umpires coach during last week i think or maybe the week before um you know welcome to the job we're just going to hammer you um yeah. no purpose so, yeah none whatsoever well what it does is it feeds the media train and again it, it underpins the assertion that the afl is an entertainment um industry yep yep totally agree and will basically eat their own um you know, I don't. I, I have more sympathy for the umpires, maybe not in the moment, because you know there's plenty of times where I can't believe a decision that they've made. But when you when you sit back and you actually look at it holistically, you think it, the amount of rules and the amount of grey areas in the rules that we've touched on plenty of times make the game impossible to officiate. But instead of the AFL recognising that fact. Um, they come out for no particular reason. They're not going to change the result. They're not going to award consolation prizes. So there's absolutely no reason why, like you said, uh, of coming out and saying, oh, yeah, we got that one wrong, particularly when there's no real um, discussion about why they got it wrong. It's just a small statement saying, yeah, you know, we're sorry, the umpire got it wrong. Um, Murray should have been paid deliberate. So well, well, why? Because we've all seen the angle that shows that the ball deflected off Spargo at about thirty to forty degree angle. You know, there's an argument to be made that that ball, had it not hit Spargo, would have gone to grass in front of Dude and wouldn't have even gone out of bounds. So, what is the thinking? What? Why are you coming out and saying that that ball was deliberately out of bounds? It, it doesn't make any sense. No. It's ridiculous. Anyway. Let's not dwell on that. Um, right, let's talk quickly about the SANFL, Peter. Um, it was on the telly um, on the weekend, yeah, so we had an opportunity to watch it. Not a great performance, but uh, uh, certainly the shining light was Will Hamill, who uh, went back to the uh, to the SANFL with uh, with a terrific mindset and uh, was named best, and I think he picked up 30-odd possessions or something like that and gave us tremendous yeah. uh, run and drive. And, you know, he's obviously a class above SANFL level, and yeah. I, I, I take my to the mental strength um, of will to go back and, and perform like that is, you know, that's what you want to see. Um, yeah. That's fantastic. But I, I fear for him that just at the moment, Chase Jones has just stepped into that role at the moment and they're going to give Chase a few games to see whether he's got it in that role. So I, I feel that Will's kind of um, just lost his spot there for the moment, but I'm sure yeah. he'll be back. The other couple of performances that were pretty good was uh, Andy McPherson went, came back and, and played pretty well around the midfield area. Yeah, he did. And, um, and also um, Josh Worrell again having another game. But you've got, really at the moment, it's, it's crazy. You know, you've got, basically you've got three defenders there that, uh, that all, all, all played really well. Probably not surprising, I guess, given the, the, the result. But um, so all the pressure on the, on the defenders and, you know, they played pretty well on... On Saturday evening, and just in terms of, I guess if that just flows through to selection, Fiend, I just really I'm racking my brain. I, I really can't see, you know, where there's going to be any unforced changes or forced changes, to be honest. In, yeah, in that well, lineup on Saturday, it, it it appears at this stage as if everyone's pulled up, and after such a stirring win, you would expect them to go in unchanged. I think. Um, if I was to be, I, I really would like to get Josh Worrell into the team for a taste. And I think there's a case to be made for, depending on matchups, either uh, rotating him and Nick Murray out. Uh, we've got Richmond yeah. next week. So Richmond, we're going to have to contend with two tools, um, Jack Revolt and Tommy Lynch. Um, so you would imagine that Murray and... Um, Butts, obviously, um, retain their positions and we retain that structure. The only other place I can see Josh coming in is maybe uh, giving Jake Kelly a spell because Jake has done some good defensive work this year, but he's certainly um, limited, I guess, and I'm sure the club don't see it that way. But it makes me wonder whether um, there's 
uh, a case to be made for maybe uh, Josh coming in for Jake Kelly. Not that I think it'll happen. No, I don't think it'll happen. But I think that it's what, yeah, it's almost like you've got these guys really pushing hard up from underneath mm. and you can't just deny them, you know, forever. And so they've got, they're going to have to find a spot for Josh Worrell at some point. I mean, at least Will Hamill had a lot of games. But, uh, but Josh Nacy. The other one I want to talk to you about, Fiend, which really upsets me and gets really grinds my gears is R- uh, Ronan O'Connor. That yeah. Grinds yeah. my gears. There's a, kid, there's a kid who was in form. He played three great games in the Sandfall. Mm. He gets picked against West Coast. He gets mm. 53% of game time, so he plays half a game. Yeah. Then the following week, he gets made the, the, the substitute. Yeah. No injuries, no game. So suddenly, We've got a kid who was in great form. He's played half a game in three weeks. By the time we get yeah. to Saturday, he will have played half a game in three weeks. Yeah, uh, I just think that's really. I, I just don't. I don't understand that kind of management. And I don't know if you what, what your thoughts are on that. Uh, I agree totally, um, Peter. I don't see the point. And our club is guilty of doing this at times. We had the situation with Ben Davis previously, and. You know, um, I didn't actually think Ben looked too bad running off halfback on the weekend. Um, but Ronan deserved a run, I think. And aside from anything else, it's poor, poor player management. Um, you know, as you say, half a game in three weeks, he was in a good vein of form. And yep. now you're basically asking wherever he plays next week, whether it be in the AFL or the SNFL team, you're asking him to... Um, to continue that form on the back of bugger all work, really. So, yeah, uh, I Not guess, you know, yeah, uh, look, and look, David McKay, um, I think he justified his selection, although at the time I was livid like most of us, but I don't think you could fault David McKay's um, effort during the season, but I, it's very difficult to understand selection um, this year because we had that period of time where we appeared to be playing lopsided, uh, un- undersized in defence and, and oversized in attack, uh, and we persisted with that for, you know, four weeks. Um, now we've got O'Connor coming in for a WA homecoming and then, and then you know, shunted back out again straight away. My argument with DMAC selection over, say, Will Hamill or Ronan O'Connor is what What are we trying to achieve this year? Which surely we can't be trying to achieve a final spot. And if we're not trying to achieve a final spot, then surely the objective is development, wouldn't you think? Oh, absolutely. And so you've got this kind of this competing interest of, of DMAC having played a good game and he, the game that he played warrants his retention. Yeah, but then you know he's. Con- I mean, at the moment he's taking up a wing halfback spot. Yeah, and you've got you know you've got Will Hamill running around smashing the sandfall, and yeah. he won't get set. But on the back of that performance on Saturday, that teammate won't. That'll that'll keep him in for the next three to four games at least. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so there's yeah. no there's no movement. No, and you know it's. It's not just O'Connor. I mean, Luke Pedler made his uh, return uh, last week. Uh, we've got um, Cook back there as well. We've got Borlase, who's not playing badly. We've got Worrell, who's been a bit stiff. Um, there's some blokes that we need to get some games into um, that don't really look like they're going to get a look in. I mean, let's let's be brutally honest. I think James Rowe and Ned McHenry have benefited from the fact that Lachlan Murphy's not in the team. Because I think we yeah. were just we were just one too many in that slot, if you know what I mean. And we've yeah. seen Ned and Jimmy uh, blossom in the last fortnight. Um, you know, and no no one wishes the injury that Lachlan Murphy got on him, but it just goes to show with the way we structure up that it can have a real impact. But the other knock on effect uh, of selection this week was, of course, the rejuvenation of Tom Diday. You know, having yeah. Nick Murray yeah. in the team. We yeah, yeah, and I mean, if Joe Bloggs on a bloody podcast can see it, surely the coaches can, which means that their objectives are different and their 
difficult to decipher at the moment, in my opinion. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that, that's it. Will be unchanged. Well, yeah, I was just about to say the same. Uh, I think we'll be unchanged, uh, you know, barring any late mishaps. Now, we've got 1990 with his hand up patiently in uh, the audience. So we'll bring you in, 1990. How are you going, mate? Come right in. I'm well. I'm well, Phoenix. How are you, Pete? Yeah, good, mate. I just yeah, thought I'd call in to talk about selection because I think, yeah, that's pretty much um, the key thing we've got going this, into this week. Um, just with the sample guys, you talked about the defenders um, had the strongest performance. We had um, Hamill, McPherson. Um, I just I agree with um, what Phoenix was saying about a bit confusing with what what is our overall strategy over the last month. Um, I, I feel like we've got competing um, departments within the club that are a little bit misaligned as to what are we actually trying to achieve because. We've we've got this rebuild element where we've we've drafted all these guys that are supposedly uh, highly talented and um, we we drafted them for a reason was to take over from the guys that didn't perform um, over the last two or three years. Um, I, I know Kelly and David McKay are performing quite well right now and they're quite sturdy and reliable or to an extent I suppose, um, but at the end of the day, players like Will Hamill and Josh Worrell uh talented versions of those two players. Um and I for the for the right now it's 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 not a major issue, but I think as we go over time, over the next twelve months, we really need to prioritise blokes like Worrell and Hamill um in the first instance. Um even even if it's just as a two or three game block, I just I think we need to get gains into them. Well, I mean, you watch the SNFL 1990 and you think, well, what are they going to learn out of playing that level? Because, I mean, it's a completely different game. Um, Pete's just dropped off again. A completely different uh, play style. You've got top-ups in there who don't have the same level of skills. Um, you know, they're not benefiting. So um, I, look, it's a difficult one at the moment. I, I feel like it was the young guys that actually initiated um our competitiveness against Melbourne. Uh, certainly experience helped at key moments, uh, uh, you know, a.k.a. Tex. Um, but uh, it was the young blokes that, that really provided the energy and the impetus to get us in the game and get us around it. So, yeah, interesting yeah, over the next the couple right of weeks. Now. I think we've gotten back to the right structure now. I think um, it's quite clear in the way that our the ball has moved for us over the last two weeks that, We've got the right structure now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we're actually able to compete with, you know, West Coast and Melbourne are two very good sides. Um, and we've we've been able to match them for the most part. Um, Agreed. So, so we've got the structure. I just think um, we've just got to work on having the structure, but also having an eye on the future. Yeah. Um, because we're not winning the Premiership this year. And... Really, we should be aiming for two or three years' time, and these guys are going to be the the key to us getting that real drive into the next twenty four, thirty six months. Um, I, I heard you mention Lockie Murphy um, injury. I think it's quite clear that our ball movement from wing to half forward. I mean, you don't want to miss, you don't want to <laughs> wish injury on anyone, um, but you could see that our ball movement is light years ahead of where it was three or four weeks ago mm. through that uh, period of the ground. Yeah. yeah, and that's through blokes um, like Ned offering offering uh, options, providing options. Yeah, it was a concerted I, I effort to change. Yeah, yeah. 1990, I'm going to have to cut you short, mate, because uh, we want to spend right. a little bit of time talking about uh, Matty Roberts. Um, but thanks, as always, for supporting us on the Crowcast and coming on. And uh, we may have a minute or two at the end uh, for people if they want to come on. But in the meantime, Peter... Just before we get crack into it, Matty, there is one last thing we need to discuss very, very quickly, and that's obviously whether the game's going to be played in Melbourne, given the COVID situation. Well, I, I, there is, a, I'd say, every single every chance that that they end up starting to get teams out of um, out of Melbourne in the next couple of days, because if I reckon it will only need 
you know, maybe uh, four or five you know, new cases in the next day or two and they'll be, the AFL will be terrified. Agreed. And they'll be moving games, I reckon. Yeah, I agree with that. I think so uh, watch this 50, space, 50 But at a yeah. very minimum, no crowds. There'll be no crowds at that game. You can get set on that right now. And the yeah. only question that will remain is whether they actually even play in Melbourne. Agreed. All right, now, big drum roll. I haven't done an intro for you, mate, but uh, I'm sure you don't need it. Um, Matty Roberts, second in our uh, series on the SA draft class for 2021 and uh, has really hit the ground running this season, hasn't he, mate? I've watched him. As you know, I've been a big fan of his, and when we first started even talking about doing this segment earlier in the year, you'll know that he was one that I, mm. I brought up straight away as a really interesting topic. And the reason for the list, excuse me, for the listeners, the reason why I've taken such an interest in Matty is that I'm just being realistic about our hit our hit zone, and you know we'd all love, you know, Jason, of course, but um, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think Horn's going to go. He's going to go one, and um, we're just not going to get there. You can see, you know, we, another nail in the Horn coffin on Saturday night. But we, none of us are complaining, of course. So we, we've got to be realistic about our hit zone, and yeah. so that's why I've taken such an interest in Matthew Roberts. Now, his pedigree, Fane, you know, he he played in an A grade premiership for Langhorn Creek when he was fourteen years old. Yeah. So he's a strong young man, and I went out. At last Saturday, as you know, I went out to see uh, St Peter's play Sacred Heart in a, what was an absolutely cracking match down at Sacred Heart. And the Hearts won by seven points. But Matty Roberts played that day. It was a real privilege to be so close and to be able to watch him play up so closely. Mm. Um, you know, should, I should have paid money for it. It was, a, it was an absolute exhibition to see his run and his carry and, in particular, his booming left foot kick. The kid yep. has a cannon of a left foot kick. And um, he just has a really, really good sort of, um, he'll, he'll win possession. He's a real give and go and he'll get himself on the outside. And then, he'll, mm. and that's why if you look through his stats, he's just a major inside 50 contributor to the stat sheet. And yep. he, he gets himself out on his own and he does not dink around with the ball fiend. He does not little, he doesn't chippy, chippy zigzag. No, no. He's got the possession. He kicks it long, long. Yep. Yeah, uh, anything I've got around some, sixty meters, and he's shooting for goal. Yeah, I've got some vision going at the moment on uh, on the TV screen there, and you know he's a well-defined uh, young man already. He's got some good upper body uh, definition, uh, good broad shoulders. Uh, he's a strong lad, as you said. Um, you know he can uh, he can get his own ball, but he's also equally dangerous, as you mentioned on the outside, Peter, and uh, and he can hit the scoreboard as well. Um, his overhead marking and look, his kicking is an absolute thing of beauty. So, yeah, he, um, I mean, he won this, he was runner up in the schools medal as a year 11 last year. He's, you know, under 16 state team. He'll be obviously front and center in the under 18, under 19 state team this year. Yeah. He is, look, he's just, he just gives you a bit of everything. And that, that's what I love about Matt is that he just gives you a bit of everything. He's a high character kid as well. There was, you know, as an example, in the last quarter in that game that I watched, that you know, scores were tied. It was you know, a really, really tense moment in the game. He'd set up a beautiful bit of play. All he needed to do, he kept running. All he needed to do was his teammate to mark the ball and give him a handball. And he would have, from the wing, I shit you not, he would have just about kicked a goal because there was yeah. no one in front of him. He would have had bounces. That would have put him in front. Of course, what happened is the St. Peter's player dropped the mark, Sacred Heart cleared and kicked a goal, and then bang, the siren goes. Now, Bloody you can St. Peter's, the guy's. Eh? <laughs> oh yeah, he's there with his hands on his knees. Team, what do you reckon Roberts does? He goes straight after. He used to go straight after him, and he puts his arm around him, and he talks to him, and he talks him through it, and pats him on the back, yeah. and you know, just worry about the next time. And so he's just a high character kid. He's a real team man. He's aggressive. Yeah. Like I saw, he was getting into some of the other opposition players. He's aggressive. He's angry. And um, he plays hard, physical football. <clears throat> I, I think that the best way to describe him, Fane, is he just gives us a little bit of everything. He yeah. gives us the outside run. He's quick enough. You know, he's not, you know, Cozzy Pickett, but he's quick enough. And he's got a nice long stride and, um, and he uses the ball beautifully. Yeah. So I don't know if you have any questions about Matty or if any of the, any of the uh, listeners have got any questions about Matty, but um, he's a kid I've looked at very, very closely. And 
none of the um, so a lot of the pundits now have got him right up around that top five kind of pick. So I think that, that he's going to be available. I reckon for us, yeah. Unless he unless he really smokes the, uh, the the carnival, which is which is quite possible. Yeah. But he is one that we should be looking at. I think. Yeah. So um, just his stats is one eighty three and or listed as one eighty three and eighty one. He's probably a little bit uh, bigger than that now. Uh, midfield forward, um, he's averaging in the 18s, he's averaging 32 disposals, 23 kicks, 9 handballs, 8.3 marks, 7.7 tackles, 6.3 clearances, 7.7 inside 50s, 4 rebound 50s and averaging 1.7 goals in his three games. So that's a stat sheet. That is a stat sheet. And, of course, you know, when I got the promotion to the uh, to the first and picked up 14 or 15 posies in his debut for the South League team as well and didn't look out of place either, did he? No, and I think that it's – I'm really glad you brought those stats up, Fane, because what, what that does, it just backs up what I said about the fact that he's just a little bit of everything. Yeah. He, and he's got a massive engine, honestly, even now, and he will cover the ground. He'll, he'll cover defence. His yeah. work rate is phenomenal. And he'll just work up and down the ground, and he'll and he'll just he'll start something from defence. He'll rebound fifty, and he'll just keep going, and he'll create, and he'll keep running, and then he'll end he'll end up inside fifty. It's just phenomenal. Yeah. So you know, has he has he got the star power impact of Horn? You know, no. Is he a potential All Australian? Absolutely, yeah. no question at all. And I think that I think going back to that comparison you made with Walsh is probably not a bad one. Yeah. Yeah. Um maybe a little bit more damaging by foot than Walsh. Um, just I was looking at some of his highlights uh, over the last couple of days. Walsh um, is a good, dispo- good clean disposer of the ball, but I feel like Matty Roberts can really break a line and uh, get some depth with his kicks and really uh, gain territory on that left side. Um, and look, any team that picks up Matthew Roberts is going to have a, a serious player uh, on their list as a consequence. Does he Don't fit we love what we, Yes, we do. Does he fit what we need, um, Peter? I mean, I know oh, top, I, first round of the draft, it's always about best available talent. Um, you know, and we'll, we'll uncover some other talent as we go through this series during the course of the season. Um, does he... In the, in the Crows midfield of the future, is it... Is it um, is it Matthew Roberts, um, Luke Pedler, Sam Berry, you know, Ben Keys? Is that too workmanlike or or can we get Matty on the outside a bit more and, and turn him into that silk? Well, I think I, th- I honestly think you could because, yeah. I mean, obviously he can win his own ball and you have to be able to win your own ball to play AFL. So he can win his own ball. He'll go. Yeah. He'll go yeah. when it's his turn. Don't worry about that. And he'll go hard. But... Yes, he can be that outside silk that we need. And I've and now that I've seen with my own eyes that left foot kick, he is penetrating and and you know he gets within fifty five meters from goal, shut the gate, he's having a shot for goal and he's making it easy. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you've got the highlights package from his under eighteens game where he kicked a goal from inside the centre square at Nord Oval. I've been running the highlights as we've been talking, so I'll just uh I'm not sure if you've got that one, but yeah, he was he was he was inside the centre square. I think it was at Norder. It might have been at Norlunga. He was inside the centre square, and he's kicked a goal on the run. So he has got a booming left foot kick. Yeah, and I just think he he's a real he's a real metres gained. So he's you know if you get him on the outside, he is going to break. He's going to run you 15 sort of metres, and then he's going to kick you 50. It's he, he can be very very damaging, but he uses the ball very well. He's a very accurate kick for goal, and. Um, that leg is a weapon thing. Yeah. And if you want, if you, you know, you, you compare him to sort of like an M Crouch who just sort of, you know, chips and chips, chips it around. I mean, obviously there would be a certain amount of that within the structure of the coach, the coach wants in terms of, you know, do you want to switch play or, or whatever? Yeah. But if he's allowed free to go direct, he will kick the ball long and strong. Yeah. Uh, Death, uh, thanks very much, mate. Uh, See, this is the type of stuff I I have to deal with, Pete. Um, Death in the chat saying, uh, saw me on YouTube and 
I've got a face for radio. Well, uh, stuff you, mate. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> uh, come on the chat and tell me that. <laughs> uh, no, look, and Vardy's just asked me to zoom that in, so I have zoomed that in a little bit. Um, so you'd think that he's top three or four um, in the draft. So, um, and look, realistically, um, St Kilda are now vying for a bottom three spot in my opinion, yep. along with the Suns and Hawthorne and North Melbourne. So we could and Collingwood. So we could, you know, end up with five or six. Are we still in danger of perhaps missing out on not only Jason Horn but uh, also Matty? Yeah, I really do. I, I do believe you know, and it I mean we'll know we'll, we'll know a lot more after the champs, but I, I genuinely think that we're we're at risk of missing yeah. out on Matt. I I really struggle to see Matt going anything you know worse than sort of five yeah then that's just at the moment you've seen his number i mean he's playing league football now um so st peter's playing ross trevor this saturday so i'll be out there and i'll be hoping that we uh, snag him back for that game i don't think we'll release him for that game Mm. but you know he um everybody's talking about him sort of around about that that sort of five six sort of mark yeah and once he goes to the champs fiend Honestly, when he play when he goes back to playing under 18s, you've seen his stats. Same yeah. as Horn. Yeah, South Australia are a really good chance of winning those champs because they are going to absolutely dominate those champs because yeah. you, you've seen what they've done at the under 18 level. Yeah, yeah, and look, the the match in the 18s that Matty played before uh, he made his debut, I mean, he just destroyed um, that level. He, he's not, he, he's far too good for that level now, um, and. Yeah. You're right. You get him into a situation where um, where he's showcased in the uh, in the in the, in the champs, and uh, we're in a bit of strife. <laughs> so uh, anyway, mm. so we we need to be around. I mean, it's, I think I said to you a few weeks ago when we first started talking about this, we need to be really careful. Otherwise, we're going to miss out on him as well. But there's going to be a yeah. good midfielder there for us, and it, don't forget, you know, I'm only, I, I'm unashamedly only, my brief is only looking at the South Australian kids, yeah, and I've got no doubt there'll be somebody good around our pick, um, but certainly Matty Roberts is around about our hit zone. Yeah, um, yeah, okay. So if there's anyone in the chat that uh, has an opinion on that, uh, or opinion on it, on drafting, or or our squad in general um now's the time because we're just about out of time we're a bit over time this week actually um but look my final thoughts are um uh, uh pete quite honestly that matt roberts is probably as worth trying to work your way up the draft to get him as jason horn in my opinion they're different players yep. they give you they offer you something different but in their category in their respective categories they're they're both standouts, and you know if if Matt's if Jason's out of reach and Matt's pegged as a top five, and we need to shift up a couple of spots in the draft to uh, uh, to get him, I'd be just as much in favour of the club doing that as I would um, them doing it for Jason Horn. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the, the great thing that those two boys have got in, you know, the one absolute thing that they've got in common, in my view, is that they will be both ready to go round one. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, as I mentioned earlier, you know, Matty Roberts is filled out. He's brought across his shoulders. He looks strong. He looks fit. Um, he doesn't get knocked off the ball terribly much. And uh, I, I agree with you. He's, he's he's a Sam Berry type. He'll hit the ground running. Uh, not Sam Berry in terms of his style, but in terms of his readiness. For for AFL footy, I, I agree. Um, so, very interesting. Now, uh, before we finish up, Peter, because I know the pumpkin is uh, cooking away nicely for you there, um, who are we lining up next week for our SA Draft Class chat? Um, we're going to have a look at Arlo Draper, and we're going to um, we're going to get the, uh, the, the 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 three headed monster from South Adelaide out the way yeah. because Arlo. <laughs> Is yet, is yet another 184-centimetre goal-kicking midfielder from the Panthers. It's unbelievable. Yeah. They've got these three kids. Um, Arlo hasn't um, he, he hasn't uh, got the plaudits, I don't think, of the, those two, but he's still very much in the conversation for that sort of, I think, 8 to 15 
kind of range. Yeah, so, yeah, agree. You know, he's no slouch. He's no slouch, Arlo. And there's a lot of there's a lot of love for him amongst the watchers. There's a lot of love for Arlo out there, and um, he's just plying his trade away, being the best um, South Adelaide under eighteen player at the moment because those two other boys aren't there. Yeah. Um, so he's just quietly playing, and he's another one that we're going to see in the champs. So Boy, I was, uh, we'll. Sorry, I was yep, going to we'll say. He's he's the one that I'm really interested in watching in the champs because he's as you mentioned he's kind of playing second well he has been playing second or third fiddle to those other two lads and um, you know it, it's been released now but to get him in the champs I'm interesting to interested to see where they play him and uh, interested to see how he goes against uh, you know at that level it'll be very interesting yep. looking forward to that discussion Peter. And uh, indeed, got... I'll do a bit of work through the week and we'll have a look at him. Very good. Now, just before we go, uh, Death has uh, put his hand up, and I'm not going to I'm not going to ignore that because uh, previous uh, comments made slanderous comments. Death is coming. <laughs> How are you going? Can mate? you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Right. <laughs> Fantastic. Because last time I tried to talk to you, my microphone died, there and now we go. can clearly through the keyboard, so fantastic. No, Phoenix, yeah. I must say you do a great job, mate. I appreciate <laughs> what you do because I'm based up in Brisbane yeah. and I happen to be on YouTube and I saw <laughs> your face on YouTube and they said you're live now, so I thought, got to switch there over, got to listen to what you got to say. So fantastic you're a, you're job. You're a good man. You're a good man. And, uh, look, I'm under no illusions, uh, Death, about my rugged good looks. Um <laughs> But but it's I, I'm not like I'm not gonna sit in in a hot tub in my speedos like the girls on Twitch. We're all about <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're all about content here, mate. So <laughs> uh, maybe maybe on the final ever crowcast I might do that just to make sure no one ever looks at us ever again. But in the meantime, that's not happening. And I can assure no, you, <laughs> it was so funny, Phoenix, because when I was on YouTube, they had the hard look. You had that angry look. Oh, I yeah, didn't yeah. realise live now Phoenix is on, so I had to switch over and say g'day. And no, I appreciate everything you guys do. And Pete, you guys really say uh, rational things. Um, and it's just good to get the updates because we get nothing up here in Brisbane. So what you guys keep us updated on, I really appreciate it. Because I've got well, no know, idea who's coming in the seconds. And um, yeah. I think um, PJ Crozy, I think he's up here or someone. Else is, but uh, uh, J yeah. Max up there too. J Max, that's right. Yeah. That's right. No, it's good to have yeah. you along, mate. We really appreciate it, and it's great to know that there's people. So I sometimes think oh, it's amazing that you don't really realise that there's people sort of around the country. I think we might even have a few overseas people. Fan, we used to. Yep. Um, yep. Have a listen as well. It's quite amazing when you think about it. Yeah, isn't and, technology you know, great? It is great, and. Look, you know, without harping on about it, we started the Crowcast, didn't we, um, way back in 2015 because of the dearth of coverage in the media for the Adelaide Crows, even in South Australia. Um, it was just, you know, the canned Victorian crap. And uh, that's why we started this off, and it's great to hear that people are getting some value out of it. Thanks, Death. I'll uh, overlook your minor uh, uh, snide remark. You're a handsome uh, man, Phoenix. You're a handsome man. Yeah, yeah, I'll uh, I'll hit you up later in DMs. I'll slide into your DMs, mate. We'll work something out. No worries. <laughs> right, Thank mate. you. Thanks for Good the on chat. You. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Pete, I reckon uh, with that <laughs> rather unnerving um, uh, thing, <laughs> we'd better call it a night. What do you think? Let's do it. Let's call it a night. All right. Thanks to everyone who's joined us on Discord and YouTube and maybe Twitch. I'm not sure. I haven't seen anyone on Twitch tonight. Don't forget, if you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast or you can uh, just hit the, uh, I think there's a PayPal button on the website, aflcrowcast.com, that you can click and give us a couple of bucks. Um, if you're a Discord member, um, don't forget about the um, Suggestion Box channel. Uh, there's a bit of love going on in there for certain topics, so get around it. Give me your suggestions. Um, you know, we're very keen to make sure that we give you guys what you want. If you're listening on demand, either on YouTube or um, through an audio file, um, and you're not on Discord yet, um, get around us on Discord. It's a it's a great uh, community that we're building here. We're up to 160 members, which is just unbelievable. It blows my mind. Um, and it's it's good banter, good solid footy talk, all about the Crows. 
Um, if you need some tips on how to get on Discord, go to our YouTube channel. There's a video there telling you how to do it. Peter, lovely talking to you again, mate, and uh, you, everyone mate. else. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you on Sunday for the Rap Show. In the meantime, take care. Good night.